Judges. So if you can, if you're able, would you stand with me and turn to Judges 13. There's four chapters. We're just going to read a portion of it here. Luke has been doing a great job. It's page 213 and 214 if you're borrowing one of our Bibles. Judges 13, we're going to start at verse 21. So Judges 13, verse 21. I'm going to read down to verse 7. It says this. The angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die for we have seen God. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering at our hands, or shown us all these things, or now announced to, as such as, or announced to us such things as these. And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in him in Meneah, Dan, between Zorah and Eshtol. Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his fathers and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives, or among all our people, that you must go take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines, and at, the, and, at, and at that time the Philistines ruled over Israel. Then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came toward him, roaring. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat, but did not tell his father and mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. May this word of the Lord invite us to serve God as king and do what's right in his eyes. You may be seated. So just curious, how many of you guys have heard the story or a story about Samson in your church, Christian, or non-Christian days? He's easy to tell stories about. He's this mythical MMA type figure who just does crazy things. He's great. I have young boys. He is great to tell stories about because he's just awesome in so many ways and such a dud in so many ways. And we get to look at the story of Samson, four chapters on the story of Samson. Now, let me just remind you, if you haven't been here, we've been looking at the book of Judges. Next week is the last week in this series. But here's the theme. Here's the anthem. Here's the song of the book of Judges. We've read it every week. It says this. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's been the theme. We haven't actually got to that verse yet, which is interesting. That's the summary verse at the end, but that's the, the anthem, the, the backdrop of everything going on in the book of Judges. The book of Joshua leads up to this. Israel is supposed to go and take over this land, push everything out that is pagan or not worshiping the one true God of Israel. And they fail to do that. We see that early on. And then Judges is just this mixture of Israel battling the, the people who don't love God, don't love Yahweh, and just the clashes that happen. And eventually we get to Samson, who is the last judge we see in the book of Judges. So just to remind you, Judges is not spiraling upwards towards utopia. 
It's spiraling downwards towards hell on earth. To give you insight to next week, Pastor Luke will be back here and he'll be teaching. I met him this Wednesday and I met him immediately as he left the meeting where all the teaching and preaching pastors talked about this last message which is coming next week. And it's a bunch of goofy guys joking around, all the, just a fun-loving bunch of guys. And Luke walked out, just heavy. He said, that is heavy. As he prepared to teach what's coming next week, all Luke could say leaving that group, which is usually fun and kind of lighthearted, that's heavy. Judges ends heavy because everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It's not ending Revelation 21, 22, where heaven comes down to earth and everything is peachy. It's the exact opposite. You want it your way, here's what's going to happen. And Samson plays a key role in that. He's kind of on the tail end of this story, and he just adds to this anthem. Everyone does what was right in his own eyes. So why do we want to look at Samson? Whether you're a believer, you're a Christian or non-Christian, he is a good mirror for us all. So we're going to look at the story of Samson. We're going to use him as a mirror. Look at him and just try to see aspects of ourselves and our church and our society that we need to learn from, both good and bad. Here's how I'm going to walk through it, because it is four chapters. It's a lot. I'm not going to cover every single word. But I'm going to look at three truths that I see that come out of the story of Samson, and by extension, the story of the church. First one is the story of God always rests on the promises of God. The second truth is the story of God is always far more messy than we'd like. And then finally, the story always ends far better than it should. So we're going to look at those three truths that we see in the life of Samson. And then at the end, I'm going to pause and just ask a couple questions about Samson and questions that I've been wrestling in my own heart as I look at Samson. Things that I, I think are reflected as I look in the mirror of Samson. So that's what we're doing. We got three points and then a few questions. First point is this. The story of Israel, Samson, or the church, whatever you want to look at, always stands on the promises of God. What do I mean by that? The story of God. God is moving somewhere. The, the story history, the story of the universe is not being written with each new day. Now, if you're not a Christian, that may blow your mind, but we as Christians believe it's a story that's been written. It is a narrative. It's not a mystery. God is not watching my actions and then filling in the page for the day and saying, well, that part of the story is now done. It is a book with a last chapter. It's done. It's not a mystery. That's good, restful news for the Christian. Now, if you're not a Christian, you've got to make sense of why are we here? What are we doing now? Why is it such a mess? Where is it? And you've got to piece together all these pieces with whatever cultural truths and ideas you can. But Christianity, which came from Judaism, says the story is written. The promises are done. They will come true. The story is accomplished. And we see that a little bit in the life of Samson. Israel was standing on huge promises. Genesis 12, God comes to a guy named Abram and he says, out of all the cultures and ethnicities and groups I see, I choose you. And I'm going to make your nation great. Look at the sand of the sea. Look at the stars of the heaven. I'm going to make you that vast. And he promises Abraham land, seed, and blessing. Land, you're going to have a place. You're going to be an actual people on a place. Seed, through you there's going to be the fulfillment of everything I'm going to say in this, what we call the Bible. 
and you are going to be the most blessed people on earth so that you can bless others. So Israel stands on that promise. And they are moving along in this story, even through the book of Judges, because God has promised something to him, and he will not relinquish that promise. That's good news. Yet we get to the story of Samson. Let's read verse 1 here and just see where we're at in this story unfolding. You'll recognize this if you've been here at any length of time over Judges. Chapter 13, verse 1 says this, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Israel stands on the promises, and yet they're stuck in the middle of sin and depravity and, and in essence, slavery to the Philistines. And God's got to keep his story. (laughs) No worries. It's the Bible. It's all good. They stand on the promises of God, and yet they're in the middle of Judges. Remember, Luke said at the beginning, Judges last 300 years or so, so it's like the history of America plus some years. So, the, so Judges is looking back at Abe Lincoln and Martin Luther King Jr., all these people that have, and Samson is in the middle of that, and he's in the middle of the time when the Philistines are really close to just demolishing the Jewish culture. And God raises up Samson. Because if you remember the cycle Luke's talked about, it's sin, they go into slavery, and then Israel cries out and says, God, help us. And they don't do that here. Because they're too dumb and too sinful and too blind to even cry out to God anymore. But God's story has been written, so he intervenes. And we see verse 2, how he intervenes here. There was a certain man of Zorah, of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. And then he gives this kind of weird rule on his life. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child should be a Nazarite to God from the womb. Nazarite vow is back in Numbers 6, you can look if you want, but basically a Nazarite was like a varsity level Jew in a sense. It's no wine, no strong drink, you never cut your hair, and you can never go near dead stuff. So it's like, this is my guy, and I've even upped the ante a little. He's going to be a Nazarite, and usually the Nazarite vow was for a period of time, like Lent or something, you're fasting for this period. He was going to be a Nazarite always. So God is coming down. And showing uh, Israel who his man is going to be. Let's continue. In the middle of verse 5 there. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, A man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. But he said, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb until the day of his death. Israel's God's chosen people at this point. The next chapter they're trying to get to is land, seed, and blessing. They're going to be a people, a nation, in a place to bless everyone. And they've messed it all up. They went into this land and didn't kick everyone out that they should have. How does God keep this story moving on? Even when Israel doesn't even pray to ask God to continue the story. He raises up Samson. 
to a woman who is barren. We've seen this before. Man and woman who could not have a kid. He says, you're going to have my kid. She's like, I've never had a kid. I can't have a kid. You're going to have a kid. He's going to be special. He's going to be a Nazarite. We've seen this story play out before. Spoken to by an angel. And if you keep reading in chapter 13, you come to find out it is probably God himself. God shows up, says the story continues. Here's how you woman who can't conceive, you're going to have a son and you're going to name him Samson. And I'm going to be with him and my promise is going to continue. As I've been reading Samson, I get just tripped up in the details of his stupidity. But I want to just, for this first half of this message, really look at the story of Samson through a good angle. And God always moves his story forward. And he does it here because he talks to the mother of this future-born Samson and says, you're going to raise up a son and I'll tell you exactly what he's going to do. And here's the promise. We just read it. He shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Israel's biggest problem at this moment in the story is not the problems we face, where government and finances and all stuff that we think is crushing our country. Their biggest problem was the Philistines. And they're too blind to figure out how to ask for help. And God says, I'm going to raise up a man. I promise you, he will begin to save Israel. His people from the Philistines. Promise made. That means no matter how dumb and sinful Samson gets, that promise will continue and will be fulfilled. That is good, good news. Yet now we get to the fun stuff. Because he has this Jesus-type miraculous birth, and you think, we're going to expect lofty things. And yet you're, the next three or four chapters are insane, are just crazy, which takes us to our next promise, the story of Israel, Old Testament, Samson, this little four-chapter window we're looking at, and the church today is always far more messy than we'd expect. I mean, here's the wrestle with Samson for church people. Couldn't God use somebody just a tad more holy? Here's the wrestle with us who have come from churches where uh, there's been failures and stuff. God used that man or woman that failed you. Couldn't he have used just, yes, but he used him or her or Samson. And it's messy. And that's hard to wrestle with. And that's what we got to wrestle with with the story of Samson. Is it is a messy, messy thing. I mean, I'm trying to think of how to describe this, this time in Israel's period. I've, I've never watched the VeggieTales. You can scold me later. I just didn't grow up in the church and I don't want to watch vegetables talking, moral lessons. <laughs> But I, the, what I hear of VeggieTales is it's a cucumber telling asparagus to not lie and all this sorts of thing, representing the Bible. And then I go to the Bible and it looks like a TMZ episode over and over and over again. Kanye West did this. This person did this. Just messy, messy, messy. Not a cucumber hugging an asparagus saying, let's all get along or whatever song they would sing together. Samson is straight out of the tabloids and it's part of God's story and it's messy and God uses it that's a good thing so here's how I'm going to do it we're going to walk through Samson's life there's three chapters we're going to fly through they all just highlight the fact that he is a messy guy in the midst of a messy people here's a recommendation I'd make for you guys especially if you have kids or grandkids the Bible's hard to read 
It was written to people that think different than us, feel different than us, speak different than us. This thing has been hugely helpful for me. The Action Story Bible. It's the guy who wrote for Marvel and all these kind of superheroes. He took the story of the Bible and turned it into one long comic. So even for this topic, when I've got to preach four chapters on Samson, I go to my deep research well. <laughs> okay, I got to make sense of this Samson guy. Okay, 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 good. Pictures help, pictures help. That's what he did, okay. So, if you ever confused by the Bible, which all of you are at times, this is a great little thing, especially for the narrative portions where there's a story being told. It just gets to the heart of it. I would recommend it. So here's, there's three stories that happen over the next three chapters. The first one is this, a messy marriage. So let's just pick up where we left off. Uh, I'm going to read chapter 14, verse 7. I won't have you flip a ton. I know it's a lot. So here's what happens in chapter 14. Then he went down, verse 7, and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. Samson is a Nazarite, a varsity-level Jew. We don't interact with the uncircumcised. We especially don't marry the uncircumcised because they have idols that will crush you. And Samson has all this great power. We see the end of chapter 13. The Lord was with him, the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit rushed upon him. And the first thing he does in this mighty strength that God gives him is he checks out a woman that he shouldn't be checking out. And then he goes and tries to convince his parents, I want that woman. And his parents are Hebrew enough to know that's not what you want. That's not what God wants. He says, go get her for me. He goes, and if you read through chapter 14, he goes, and as he's walking to make her his bride, this crazy story happens. He sees this line, and it says, he goes, and he tears the line apart like you tear apart a young goat. Obviously, we've all torn apart a young goat at once, <laughs> a few times in our life. It's, it's, it's like that. You guys get it, right? It's like young goat, psh, young lion. Psh. It's just the same thing. We get it. Am I the only one that's done that before? So, okay. So it's like, you see, here's what I mean by messy. You see the potential of the Lord in him, tearing apart a lion. And you see just his childish, boyish antics, going to tear apart a lion while he's going to get a woman he should never get. And he goes and gets her and he makes her his wife. And then you just see he's kind of just a cocky dude. He goes to this wedding amongst the Philistines because he's marrying this Philistine woman. And he's kind of joking around. He's like playing kind of Texas Hold'em with the guys who are his enemies. And he gives this riddle. And the riddle says, yada, 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 yada. And they're like, I don't get it. And he says, if you guys can solve this riddle, I will give you 30 coats. Again, it's a different culture. But this is what he's doing. He's just a boy with the people who are his enemy, marrying a woman he shouldn't, joking around. Messy. And then he marries this woman. His woman says, come on, you got to tell me what the riddle is. That you're messing with my relationship with me and my people. He says, fine. And he tells her. She goes and tells him. And he gets furious. And he storms out to another part of Philistine. Tears apart 30 people, Philistines, takes off their coats and brings them back to him. There you go. <laughs> Man of God is in scripture. Doesn't seem like Billy Graham to me. And God is using him. And we kind of see how God's using him 
in verse 4 says, his, his father and mother who were against this whole thing did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines, because at that time the Philistines ruled over Israel for 40 whole years. And here's where your brain just kind of has to say, I'm not that smart. God is using a sinful man to accomplish his purpose. God is using a sinful man, lustful, boyish intentions to accomplish his purposes. Israel is moving along. The enemy number one at this point is the Philistines. How does God get Israel to defeat the Philistines? I've got this flippant guy who listens to the wrong stuff all the time. I'm going to use him and his sinful, dumb actions to accomplish my purposes to defeat the Philistines. And it is messy looking. Fast forward, go to chapter 15 now. Part two of the story gets even better. Samson was mad about this. He stormed off to his mommy and daddy's house, cried about it for a bit and thought, I want my wife again. So he comes back to find his wife. And what's he told when he gets back? I gave her to your best man. I thought you didn't like her. What? You gave my wife to my best man? Yes, you were so fired up last time. You stormed out here. I just gave her to your best man. So Samson storms out again and walks through some fields, fields which have probably been stolen by the Philistines and used for their good instead of Israel's good, which was the intention by God. And he ties up all this fire to the tails of foxes. Again, something we all do in our youth. It's usual. And he sets all these foxes off to light all these fields on fire to get back at the Philistines. Philistines get mad and go and kill his former wife and his former in-laws to prove a point. Don't mess with us. This is the story of God. This is the Bible. Where's this veggie tale story being played out? I'd love to see it. And then, here's where you just see the depravity of the day. The people that are going to turn them back into the Philistines are not spy Philistines. It's the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah that is going forth and pressing forth with this promise of God. That is the lineage that's going to create the promises that secure everything for the church through the person of Jesus. And the tribe of Judah says, Samson, just stop fighting them. Philistines are in charge. Their culture wins. We give up. Enough, Samson. Let us, let us turn you in. And they have this back and forth, Samson says, but no, I don't want you to kill me. We won't kill you. We'll just tie you up and bring you to them. You promise. I promise. Promise? You promise. Yeah, I promise. Okay. He walks out, and there's a hill of a thousand Philistines. And the Spirit of the Lord rushes upon him. And he grabs the jawbone of a donkey and kills a thousand people in one swoop. I'm not making this up. <laughs> messy marriage, messy battle. Israel has pretty much given up. The messy part in that is not necessarily just Samson. Israel has given up. They have the promises of God that God is going to do something mighty in their midst, and they've said, Philistines have won. Let's just give up. You guys feel defeated in the culture we live in. Gosh, there's just so much going on that seems against what God would want to be going on. That's, that's Israel. Let's just, come on, let's just give up. And Samson's the one guy fighting, like a bonehead, but he's still fighting. 
And this is where we're left. He just killed a thousand guys. And you flip over to chapter 16, and this is probably the most famous section of the story, Samson. You know a messy relationship with this woman named Delilah. It's a fun name to say, Delilah. And the messiness begins in chapter 1. Chapter 16, verse 1. Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he went into her. Let's pause there. A lot to talk about. Philistines are in charge. Gaza's like their most important city. He goes to the New York City of the Philistines. Why? To plan and to prep how God's promise of him taking over the Philistines and beginning this fight against him is going to No, to hang out in the red light district and to get a prostitute. Messy. And God's in the midst of this, moving this story along. I mean, just crazy. And then you see snapshots of Samson's potential with, with God's spirit and all this. And then Philistines find out he's there. So they surround and they're like, we're going to get this guy. We'll get him right in the morning. So Samson's laying there at midnight. He's like, I got to get out of here. So he walks out and it says he picks up the city gate and walks out with the city gate. I'm not making this up. I read right here in this comic book. I know it's true. And he walks out. Nobody can stop this guy. And he's hanging out with prostitutes. He's never using his brain like he should be using it. And then right after that story, he says he sees this woman and he falls in love with Delilah. Another Philistine who's just as shady and twisted as him. She gets together with him because her people offer her money. Lots of money. All right, I'll do it. We got to take this guy down. So they get married, and she's like, you got to tell me your secret. You just ripped that gate off the wall. How does that happen? And he makes up all these lies, says 